1: Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, another episode of the AP Draft Room Podcast on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. Appreciate you listening as always early in this week. Uh, we just witnessed free agency go down, and we're here to talk about it. Uh, my name is Ron Kopp Jr., lead analyst at the site. And I'm usually talking with Brian and Talon. Unfortunately, this week we weren't all three able to get together and and talk about all this, which I know is a little inconvenient. It's a it's a uh, you know an important time to talk about what's going on with the Chiefs. And so I'm gonna ha- I, I'm gonna throw it to them here in a second and have them talk you through the free agency signings. I know the Chiefs signed Justin Reed, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jeron Christian, and actually Derek Nottie was re-signed on Sunday. So they'll talk on all that, get into the details of that. You know, I was going to do a little opening monologue to add to their conversation, but they did a really good job breaking it all down, guys. I think you'll really enjoy those two's conversation. Um, You know, just a lot of of good knowledge on, you know, what to react to, what to think about the the signings this week, what to think about how it could affect their draft, you know, how they think about the draft now, how they think about pick number 30, the first pick in the draft, all that stuff. So stay tuned. Brian Stewart, Talon Graff are going to have you guys with all the information you need from the free agency, all the reaction you need from free agency, and moving forward, guys, you know us three will be back. We, we will be back doing uh, our, our our usual conversations about the draft. You know, free agency is going to die down here, and and now we're going to get back into the draft, breaking down who chi- who could be the next chief in April. So expect more of that coming at the on the AP Podcast Network. And yeah, appreciate you guys listening. Sorry I couldn't be in on this episode, but like I said, Brian and Talon killed it. They have a really good conversation about what happened this week in chief's kingdom. So really enjoy that one guys. And, and me, Brian and town will be all back together next week, uh, breaking down more of the draft rather than the free agency. So stay tuned for that. And from here, I'm going to kick it to Brian and he's going to take it away and talk free agency. What's up
2: chief's kingdom. Uh, we're here today with the AP draft room, uh, another week gone by the first week of free agency for the chiefs and the rest of the NFL, and it was a little bit up and down. I'm sure any fan who's been following the team closely knows that there were moments when it felt a little bit um, out of control and it felt like they didn't necessarily have a plan in mind. And then now as we sit here towards the end of the week, things look a little bit better. But um, first, our main host, our primary host, Ron Cop, he is not in for this first part of the podcast, but he will be for the latter part and some other conversations and so at this time, I'm Brian Stewart. Um, I'm going to be talking with my guy, Talon Graf, just going over some of our initial thoughts about the free agency period and how it's gone so far. So uh, Talon, I'm going to pass it off to you right now and, and just check in on how, how it's been and your broad scope, your 30,000 view of the week that was in free agency for the Chiefs. Yeah, I think it went
3: a lot slower than uh, people would have liked or anticipated even. Um, the Justin Reed signing happened fairly quickly and, and that was a pretty, you know, I'd say I didn't expect it. it was kind of out of the blue, uh, for, for my opinion, um, didn't really see Reed as being a, a guy that they would go after, but you know, after, after it happened and doing the study and doing the due diligence, man, yeah, I think it's a good fit. Um, I really liked the Justin Reed signing. And then as the days went on, we saw these AFC West moves, the trades were happening and in the signings and, you know, Chandler Jones, and then they trade, um, trade away Ngakwe and get Rocky Sin and, you know, they, they trade for Devontae Adams. The Raiders are making moves. It seems like everybody's making moves but the Chiefs. Um, but, you know, I, I think the moves that the Chiefs have made at this point, you know, we can, we're, we're about to go you know, through the rundown now. Um, I think they're good. I think they're smart. I think they're wise. I think they're, they're exactly what the Chiefs needed to do. And it's not like Beach had you know an open vault to just shell out a bunch of money to, to these big name guys. He had to be methodical. Uh, cause he has guys that they have to keep in house. So he has, you know, they have positions, a lot of positions that need to fill. So he couldn't have tossed the cash at one position. So all in all, after the slow start, I think the chiefs are in a good spot right now.
2: Yeah. W- what you say there, I feel like they took a very diligent, you know, approach to free agency and they, they weren't going to just panic. And make reactionary moves. I don't think they've made a move yet that felt reactionary to all the stuff that's going on around the, the AFC West and the conference in general. We saw Buffalo and what they did with Von Miller. Um, but I, I think that you got to appreciate that a little bit. As hard as it is for fans to see that action going on, you have to take a step back and, and realize that the Chiefs are operating on a plan that is going to set them up better, hopefully, in the next three to four years. And to me, it seems that especially with AFC West, they're making a lot of moves that are going to help them in 2022. But after that, these moves could almost, you know, backfire a little bit and set them up cap wise or, you know, development wise with their young players in a way that doesn't really help them in the two, three, four year plans. So that's something we'll see how it plays out. Of course, we we want to win in 2022. This team's ready to go, but I think that'll be a, a fascinating watch. But as you said, we are going to go through each player, and um, we're going to start with the first guy. The first guy that was off the board, the player who you know some might say is is kind of stepping into what the role that Tyron Matthew uh, previously occupied as as the Chiefs' safety, and so that's Justin Reed, Texans. Um, that's who he spent his first four years with a uh, pretty highly touted draft prospect. And, you know, I I wasn't writing about the draft at the time, but I did like from afar kind of the prospect that he was. And so um I'll just throw it to you first, Talon. Your, you know, broad thoughts about the signing and maybe where you think he fits in. Do you think that it was at a good, appropriate value? And maybe where you see uh, the types of things you see him doing in this Chiefs defense 2022 and beyond.
3: Yeah, and I think... When we look back at the season, how it progressed, when Tyron Matthew did go down, and his his play, I think you could argue was not at the level that it's been in the past anyway. But when his absence was there, you could argue that the team looked completely different than than if anybody else were gone. It, it looked more different than when Chris Jones was gone, in my opinion. So when you see that as GM, I think Brett Veach saw that and saw it. we we need to address. Safety. I I don't want a rookie back there. I know there's a lot of guys. We've talked about a brisker hill, um, you know, guys like that scene. But but I think he wanted a guy that that's that's experienced young. When you look at these signs, all these guys are around the same age. Um, You know, Justin Reed's about 25 years old. He has starting experience. He's kind of been in no man's land and purgatory um, during that Houston crumble he was just there at the very tail end of like that good Texans defense with merciless and Watt and, and, uh, and, and I forget who the D tackle was, but they they had a few, but anyway. Um, so I think a lot of negative connotations come from that. When you think of, Oh, he played for Houston. They were terrible. Well, When you cut the film on, he wasn't terrible. He made plays. He's he's an athlete who has good range. Uh, he, he's not going to do, what Tyron Hill did, or I'm sorry, Tyron Matthew did at his all pro level. It's just not going to happen. All pros are few and far between, but what Justin Reed is going to do is he's going to provide someone who's younger a little bit, you know, faster than what Tyron probably was at at this latter age. And it's not going to be that big of a drop-off. There's going to be a drop-off from what we're used to seeing Tyron. That's just, that's going to happen with how good he was. But I don't think it's going to be that big of a downhill slope for where, you know, we think, God, I
2: miss Tyron. I think Justin Reed is going to be very, very good in this defense. About that drop-off thing, I, I say you're probably right, especially if we're talking about 2019 Tyron Matthew. Um, I mean, that was an all-pro player. He was doing things that – and if we just – I don't want to sidetrack too far, but I think Steve Spagnolo did such a good job of letting him be him and it might be part of the reason why he's not signed yet with another team because I think if you don't let Tyron be the instinctive kind of free-ranging type player that he's meant to be, well, you, we kind of saw in Houston in the latter part of his Arizona tenure, that doesn't really work out the best. His size and athleticism, it's not somebody you want to put in that small box and say you've got to just do this. you got to let him play, um, use his, his mental capacity to make plays, and, and they did that. And so I do think it'll be a step back from that. But as you said at the beginning, 2021 tiring, um, I could see uh, definitely a scenario where Eric Reed has a better year in 2022 as, as Tyron did last year. And uh, I, I wouldn't call it a tinfoil hat theory, but I do think that it's fascinating to see what they're doing with these safeties. I wonder a little bit if they are saying we have the AFC – with Justin Herbert, who can make amazing throws downfield, Russell Wilson now, same thing, uh, Josh Allen, Je- uh, Joe Burrow. Okay, these are the types of quarterbacks you're going to be seeing in the playoffs and in big regular season games. Maybe the thought is we're going to bring in Eric Reed, who's rangy, maybe a little bit better in the deep end of the field than Tyron was. Juan Thornhill, that's kind of his his best traits, I would say, is his ability to cover downfield. And, and having two of those guys might make this defense a lot better when it comes to keeping a lid on things and making sure that they're not getting beat for massive gains uh, over the top. That's something I'm excited to kind of see if, if that is how it plays out, if that's what they're deciding to do, or, or maybe they're just wanting two safeties who are kind of similar in what they do so they can be a little more uh, versatile and unpredictable with positioning and that sort of thing. But nonetheless, I think it's a good deal and one that at 25 years old, he is going to outplay. We're not going to look back and say, oh, we paid Justin Reed too much. We're probably going to look back and say that he outplayed um, his previous salary. So wrapping up on that. Now we go to the big signing from Friday. Um, and when, when, we've talked about a little bit on this podcast or the possibility of, I should say, and that's Juju Smith Schuster, the wide receiver out of Pittsburgh, um, man, man, uh, I'm gonna let you run with it at first talent here, but uh this is one I think that I, I haven't seen very many chiefs fans have any sort of opposition towards and understandably so.
3: yeah, I think this has uh been on the a lot of chiefs fans wish list for almost over a year now. Uh, a lot of people thought it was gonna happen last year this this move, but you know Juju um, was loyal almost to a fault um, and you gotta you gotta commend the guy for that, right I mean when you so many clips have, have been popping up about when he took out Fontes perfect after his dirty cheap shot on Antonio Brown. And I'm not advocating for that kind of football play on the field, but, but it tells you kind of about what, who he is. Like he, he has his guys back, whoever he's in the corner of, they're they're going to be protected by him and he's going to go go fight for them and that's dude that locker room presence when you feel like the guy next to you is like you don't have any second thought of of, of you know who's he swinging at is he going to be swinging full force when you don't have to worry about that and you can focus 100 on the guy across from you dude that that speaks so much i'm not going to say it's, it's more valuable than what you're going to put on the field but man it's it's almost just as important in a lot of scenarios. And when you're looking at a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, when you're, you're coming in to not be that number one guy, um, you wanna look for him to, to, to fill a lot of different roles, right? You kind of look for him to where can he fit in, where can he add value? Um, Cause it's not gonna always be targets or yards or, or, or stats. How's he in the locker room? What's he gonna be like with, with his teammates? Is he gonna be off the field? Is he gonna be hanging around with the guys? Is he gonna be a groomsman at somebody's wedding? And I feel like that's a Juju Smith-Schuster. That's someone that the Chiefs are bringing in. And, you know, depending on how this one year goes, I I don't mind if, if this is a guy that they lock in long-term, um, depending on how this year goes. But I, I love his character. I love, you know, I know he's getting some flack for what he does on social media. But, um, you know, I, I love the signing. There's not much to dislike about this. And I, I'm really excited to see what he's going to do with this offense on the field and in the locker room.
2: So I'm not going to put you on the spot just yet about would you, you know, do you want him beyond 2022? Because we we would like to see him play a little bit. I said on Twitter when the signing happened, he's one who I I would have preferred it to have been a three-year deal. And the reason why is I'm that confident, like it sounds like you are, Talon, that it's going to work out, that he's going to fit in like a glove. I mean, I think – if we would have been able to get him for three years at the cost, given what's been a rough, tough uh, past couple of seasons for Juju, it would have been a steal. Um, but to that end, I came home Friday, the signing was announced. I wanted to dive in and look at this a little more and, um, and just kind of confirm what I already had in my mind. And, man, even the 2021 tape, which was few and far between, was, was exciting to see because you understand that he's 25 years old. He did not just forget how to play football. He did not forget how to catch and, and run the way that he did just a few seasons ago. There were extenuating circumstances going on. You had – let's take it back. Okay, 2018, um, his 1,400-yard season where he was voted team MVP. Okay, that's great. That's like an all-pro level season. Then you go to 2019, Ben Roethlisberger gets hurt in the first month of the year. He's out for the whole year. Um, The team as a whole was just very up and down and inconsistent. He had a good year for a wide receiver, but that was also his first year being asked to be the number one. And I think we would agree that Juju, while a very good number two, is not a number one. He's not going to, you know, that's just not something I don't think teams should be asking him to do. But he did have a good season. Then you fast forward to 2020. Ben comes back, but he's not the same version of himself. The offensive line in Pittsburgh was much worse, um, and they never have recovered, at least not yet. And so those things trickled over into 2021, the few snaps he played. I just think a lot of things out of his control made him look like a player that he's not. And then on top of that, so the Chiefs are already getting him out of – crazy good value he is exactly what this offense needs when we think about what they struggled with in 2021 um you know if if defenses are going to continue to play very soft and just kind of say hey take take what's underneath this is the kind of receiver along with travis kelsey uh, along with tyree kill and, and McColl, when they catch those shorter passes or take those you know jet sweep type handoffs he can really do some damage. Um, and, and some of his best traits are his blocking and his physicality when he has the ball in his hands, his strength. Um, I look for him to have a great season, but before we wrap up on Juju, I want to ask you real quick, do you think, and do your best to kind of forget, you know, some of the, uh, the Bowl hoopla, but do you think just in the, the grand scheme of things that he is going to be more productive than maybe Sammy Watkins best season as a chief.
3: I do. Yeah. I think a hundred percent. I think, think he's, he, I'm not sure of the age you may have. I think Sam is a little bit older. I think he was like 28, 27, maybe when he signed. Um, yeah. I think, with, with how mature and I don't think it's necessarily Juju over Sammy but I think it's the offense as a whole where they are maturity wise with Mahomes as the quarterback and with Kelsey and Hill and kind of what they do with Hardman um, I just think they know kind of what everybody's role is now and, and when you look at Juju everybody else is established they know what they're going to do with him they don't need to figure out they know exactly where they want to put him they know exactly what routes what schemes and and uh, and what concepts and, and formations they want him to, to play a vital role in so that's with Sammy, everything, everybody was still kind of learning, right? Everybody was kind of new to Mahomes. Kelsey was still just kind of hitting his stride. Hill, same thing. Uh, Reed was still kind of getting his feet wet. So, uh, in Kansas City, that is. So, I, I think as a whole, the offense is just so much more set up for Juju to be successful than Sammy did. And Sammy was good. Sammy provided a lot for the Chiefs. And I think Juju's going to do that about a time and a half. I, I think Juju's going to put up some nice numbers. Um, I think what we're going to see is a dip – a little decline in maybe Hill or Kelsey's stats and, and a little boost in Juju. I think, I don't know. I, this might be the year we see Kelsey's 1000 yard streak end. Um, I'm not calling for that. I'm not saying I want to see that, but I just think as you know, with Juju in house and more attention being given to, to the all pros, that's why you have Juju to take attention away from the guys. So, so yeah, I do think he's going to be more productive than Sammy was.
4: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
2: I do agree. And it could be the form of Kelsey, you know, having just less targets or I, I think it'd be smart if they decide to start kind of giving him some more load management and saying it's a it's a 17 game season we hope it turns into a 20 21 game season and maybe they back back it down a notch on him early in the year but all those things and you the guy who's forgotten is mccall hardman who i think now is in a great position to be you know very efficient kind of like he was his rookie year it seemed like every time he got the ball in his hands it was big plays and you know moving the chains and Scoring touchdowns, that sort of thing. So all that kind of just to funnel it in is this offense is is just about ready to go. The one position that I think people might say in terms of starters is maybe not totally set is the one we're going to talk about next, and that is right tackle. And uh, the day that we're reporting this here, the Chiefs actually signed uh, Jaron Christian. Um, He played a little bit with Washington for three years, got drafted in the third round uh, by the Washington football team, commanders now, and then struggled, had some injury problems, and then became um, a Houston Texan last year following the release and had his best year uh, as a left tackle primarily. He's somebody who the talk right now is kind of they're bringing him in to be a swing tackle, um, which indicates he is going to make the roster but isn't expected to start. And if he's not expected to start, then the indication might be that Andrew Wiley is um, the one who is going to return and start in the right tackle role. Uh, you know, I've got some thoughts on all that, but first, I just want to gather what you think, Talon. Do you think that the the right tackle is on the roster that is actually going to be, and do you think the right tackle who should be on the roster uh, is there too? So between Wiley, um, you know, Oh, New, Lucas Niang, he's also one to keep in mind. And the signing today in Christian, what do you think uh, we sit with the right type of position?
3: Yeah, for right now, I think they're done. Um, unless somebody just is sitting there in the draft, you know, somebody didn't expect a Creed Humphrey, a Trey Smith type of type of tumble. I don't really know if they're going to address O-line very early. I, I'm under the belief that I think you should address O-line every draft. Take someone take someone in the trenches, you, you know, just just to get a body in there. Um, on a rookie deal. But, but regardless, yeah, I think right now we, we're going to see it's, it's a competition between Wiley, Christian, and then whenever Nian gets healthy, he's going to get thrown in there too. Um, and, and we can't forget about Prince Tego Winogo. I think he's, he's a guy that's been developed. He, he started football late in his life. Um, you know, it's, and this is a guy that could one day just figure it out. Right. And, and you, you never know. Um, so he's in the mix, but yeah, I, I think this is the room. I think this is the group that we see. Um, like I said, unless something happens in the draft, or if we get to, to training camp and there's a, there's a veteran out there that, you know, a Belaga, um, or, you know, another guy that's kind of on the back nine and dealt with injuries. If, if they're not liking what they see in camp, bring in another body, uh, maybe spur a little competition, um, or you got a veteran that to kind of shore up that right side. But yeah, for right now, you know, Wiley's proved that he's, he's, he's okay. He, he's serviceable. He can step in that role and, and not be a complete liability, um, but yeah, I'm excited to see what Jaron Kirchner could do. I know uh, you you hopped in his film breakdown pretty quickly, um, so I'm excited to see what you saw from that. But um, from what I know, good pass 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 blocker um, struggles in the run game. Um, but yeah, I'm, i I like I like him for depth. But if he's a starter, um, we'll we'll go from there.
2: That is true, and I I've, I've gotten a chance to look at quite a bit of his game, um, doing little research today. I think that'd be accurate to say pass protector by far is his his primary strength and then you have the run blocking that comes in behind that. He's athletic enough to be effective in the screen game, not perfect by any means, not like Creed Humphrey, you know when he gets out in space, holy cow, but uh no, so Christian maybe my favorite part of the signing is the fact that he's pass protected uh pass protecting dominant um and, and so, you know, if Orlando Brown, knock on wood, misses games next year, um, you have somebody who can step in and at least do that part, at least do a solid job of keeping pass rushers off of Mahomes. Because if you have a swing tackle who is just kind of a good run blocker, but they really struggle in their pass sets, that scares me. That means that Mahomes might be taking hits that he doesn't need to be taking. Um, in situations where it shouldn't even happen. I I, I think Christian's gonna protect him that way. Um, but I do want to circle back and talk about Wiley because when he was re-signed earlier this week, I think that a lot of people were worried and you know, they were happy. He obviously has value to the Chiefs, great backup to to a lot of people and um and a solid starter, but um when people were hearing, oh, well, he's going to start at right tackle, there was there was quite a bit of you know questioning and concern, and I totally understand that. But I also understand that there's only so many resources to go around, and this defense that we're about to talk about a little more, it has plenty of work to be done to it. Um, the rest of the Chiefs' offensive line from left tackle over to right guard is as good as it gets. And I just kind of view it as – they already have one of the best lines in the league. Offensive lines—they—they they function as a unit, as a group of five. You know, you—you you can have. Don't get me wrong. You don't want to have a weak link, but if they can get the play they got out of Wiley last year, then they'll be fine. They'll figure it out. If they have to chip some addressers a little more with the running backs, you know that stinks, but that's what they'll do, and they'll—they'll they'll move it along now that they have. Uh, Hill Kelsey Juju Hardman so on um, so I understand the logic and I understand why maybe they're saving some money for some other things um, other than you know a right tackle when Wiley has proven capable so the, the last one on players that have been signed this week uh, this actually just came down a few minutes ago or a few hours ago I should say and that's Derek Naughty he's being brought back uh, to play in that that defensive line rotation just really quick, uh, are you a fan of that? Uh, we don't really have the contract numbers. We know it's one year, so we can assume it's pretty low. Uh, what do you have expectation-wise for Nade? And do you think that his role should go up, go down, so on and so forth?
3: Yeah, I'm okay with it. We we talked about it before, and I think Ron and I think you agreed that, um, you know, given the the low market that he probably has. The Chiefs probably got a good deal on him returning. There just probably won a lot of teams that were interested, and the fact that Chiefs did retain him, um, he is a good run stopper. He just doesn't offer a lot in the pass rushing department, which the, the Chiefs know who they get. And, and I've said it before, uh, familiarity can go can go a long way. Um, so I'm okay with it. You put him next to Jones in certain situations, he's not going to be your three down defensive tackle. I don't I don't like him in every damn situation. But that's why I got Tershawn Morton. That's why I got Mike Dana to kind of knife inside sometimes as well. Um, they have some depth, depth in the interior defensive line, but this is a spot that I would love for them to to address in the draft and early in the draft, possibly one, a round one pick. Um, if someone's there at 30 that you like, or even a trade-up, you got a lot of draft capital that, that's sitting there that Beach can use to, to trade up to go get a guy. I know we've talked a lot about Devontae Wyatt in the chat, um, or even a Jordan Davis. Those two Georgia defensive tackles would, would both be really key because when you look down the road at Chris Jones and his contract, he's, you know, this might be it. This might be his final season, in Kansas city. Um, and it's, you know, it is what it is. It's kind of a Tyron Matthew type of deal. uh, This is, this is a topic for another conversation, but when you talk about interior defensive line and that need, it's hard to not discuss how long will Curtis Jones be a chief and, and how much do you need to invest in that position if he's not going to be there post 2023. So, um, yeah, I, I like the naughty retention. I think he's a he's guy that will help your team, but he's not, he's not the end-all, be-all, and that's not the last that they need to address in, in, in that room um, by any stretch of the imagination.
2: Sure, and as far as Jones goes, it, it kind of you – know, linking that up with Tyron. If you were to ask me a year ago, is Tyron Matthew going to be a priority? Is he going to be on the team? in 2022 i would have not even thought twice and said yeah of course he's gonna be on the team look what he's done look what he's meant but time passes by games are played things happen and we have different perspectives now than we had back then right or wrong things weren't the same and now he's not going to be a part of the chiefs team we don't we don't believe it'd be a major shock that that could happen with chris jones um and even if it doesn't happen next year, it's coming on the horizon. It's coming within the next two, three, four years to where there needs to be some thought about life after um, Jones. You know, Naughty, no, he's he's not the guy. He's not, he doesn't even really play that same kind of position. Um, and, and as far as Naughty goes, I look for him to hopefully have a better season. I think health was a problem in 2021. Um, he was always on the injury report with, with a hip injury, and that is not a good spot to have problems. I mean, you're talking about the center of mass, the center of your body. And as a player who needs to hold up against offensive linemen, sometimes too, um, trying to push on you and, and force you out of gaps, that's not a good injury to have. And I think his snap count was a reflection of some problems he was having. So I'm hopeful that they get the 2020 or 2019 version of naughty. And I think that would be a, a solid rotational player who really helps them against the run, nothing more, but very, very good against the run. So glad to have him back. Um, but to tie all that together, I'm with you talent. I do think if, if if fans are listening right now and they're thinking, Oh, there's no way they would draft a defensive tackle in the first round. Hey, think again, it not only could they, but it might be a smart move because you have to have that foresight and that's not a position to really mess around with. And I hope whoever they have when Jones is gone, I, I hope that it's someone who can meet in the middle in terms of that run defense and being a threat as a pass rusher. And there are some players in this draft who, who might be able to do that towards the top. All right, Darren, last thing we're going to talk about before we move on um, is just kind of our, our broad scope view. How do we feel about um, where they go from here? You know, we, we've seen some of the needs checked off. We know they have a wide receiver, too. We know that they have uh, their safety replacement for Tyron Matthew. What do you want or what do you think they're going to do, not only maybe in free agency, but then as as a result, what they might target early in the draft? And where this roster will end up. You know, do, you, do you think that we're in a position that they'll still – be viewed as the divisional and maybe conference favorite here in a couple of months? (laughs)
3: Um, No, I don't think the chiefs will be the favorite uh, by many publications. And uh, when you just look at everything that the Broncos did and the, and the Raiders and the Chargers each did, and the Bengals are signing a lot of good offensive linemen. They got Collins. um, They added a Kappa from, from the Buccaneers. um, So they're getting better. Their weakest, their weakest point was is now improved and they're the, You know, they're the latest representation for the AFC in the Super Bowl. So, and Buffalo got better with Von Miller. Um, Yeah, everybody in the AFC is getting better. So, I just don't foresee a lot of media outlets saying the Chiefs are going to be the team to beat because it's just not going to be splashy. It's not going to be sexy, even though it might not be accurate, even though it might not be correct, even though it might not be the most, you know, when you cut on the film and this, you know, whatever. But, no, I don't think the Chiefs are going to be favored. Um, So, buckling for a long offseason of other teams getting love. But – the chiefs, <laughs> what they've done so far is great, but I still want to see them bring in a defensive end. I think, you know, Zadarius Smith backed out of his deal with Baltimore. That was, that was an awkward situation. I'm not sure what all the details are there, um, but that's someone that I believe the chiefs are looking into. And then Jason Pierre Paul's another guy that's a veteran that you could bring in, um, you know, just to, just to boost that pass rush. I mean, you, they, they retained Frank Clark on a new, on a different deal. Um, so he's there, but you still need to get better on that and, and creating pressure. And, and Melvin Ingram's another guy that we've talked about that they could bring back. And I would, I would be okay with bringing Melvin Ingram back um, as long as it's getting addressed in the draft as well. So so right now, the biggest box left unmarked is is creating that pass rush. Um, but yeah, I think the, the three priorities for me would be the Darius Smith, Jason Pierre-Paul for talking to Melvin Ingram getting him back in house. Um, and then, yeah, you obviously... I think defensive line is... Is draft priority number one. I, I don't. I don't really know if you could look at it any other way. I, I think unless you just go BPA, um, but yeah, the d- defensive line still needs a lot of addressing,
2: short and long term. Uh, that's that's kind of the the problem with it. But it also lets you know there's no way around it. They are going to have to add bodies in that room because Frank Clark's We said he was gone this year. Well, he is definitely gone after this year. The way that that contract set up. Um, we already talked about Jones. They've got to get younger in that room, um, but they, they can also add a veteran body. I would love to see Melvin Ingram, Melvin Ingram back, uh, as you alluded to. I think he has a lot of value. I think that he can help them in a rotational role. Uh, my, my one that I've kind of been on this week is Daniil Hunter from the Vikings. He's a trade target possibly. Um, now, it seems like they are not going to trade him. And, you know, that's unfortunate possibly for the Chiefs because I do think his upside as a 27-year-old in the the short and long term is higher than not just the guys available right now, but even the Von Millers and Chandler Jones, as great as they are, Daniel Hunter had the opportunity or has the opportunity to be better for a longer stretch. But if that option is gone, I do – I find the Zedarius Smith situation fascinating He backed out of that contract. It makes you think somebody had to be talking to him. Somebody had to say, hey, buddy, we're going to give you what you deserve and and bring that price up a little bit because it was very low on on face value for what he's done in the last few seasons. Um, But you're absolutely right. They need to – if they will solidify defensive end and the defensive line as a whole, I trust that by the time the draft ends and undrafted free agents are picked up, the depth offensively and in some of the other spots will be filled out enough that we will feel very good about, uh, about the roster. Um, they're going to add 20, 30 more players between now and training camp, maybe more. Um, I haven't seen the number recently on where they're at, but they're going to add a ton of players and they're going to be, you know, the type who will make the team and provide valuable depth, but that defensive end spot is is the one where they've got to get better and get better in a big way. Other teams in the AFC are just too good. Um, they're going to be able to match points if we don't get better on defense. So uh, that will be the one to watch. And if they do that, I, I do believe that if we're talking about betting odds, we will sit here in August and, and see the Chiefs are still odds on favorites even if it's not by much to win the AFC West and the AFC Buffalo though, man, it's kind of on a silver platter for them to get that buy. If you get the buy, doesn't mean you're, you're guaranteed anything, but I don't think it hurts. And I think a team like that could really use it because they haven't had it yet since they got good in the last few years. So on that note, um, we'll wrap things up between Talon and I. Great conversation there about free agency so far, and and now we're going to spin it forward into uh, more conversation about the Chiefs uh, and other topics between Talon and Raw. Thank you for joining us.